Hello, my name is Kevin Ostegi, and I am the host of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Show. Today with me, I have Hattie Kalakechi from Dauber Sports. Uh, welcome on, Hattie. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great being on. Yeah, so uh, I've got quite a few questions for you today. Uh, first off, I'm going to start with, uh, I know you were at the uh, Habs Prospect Games this, uh, this weekend. How did they go, and were there any prospects you really, really liked? I'm not gonna lie, actually, that's a that's a great answer because I was I was half expecting you to say Owen Beck just from what I saw on Twitter. Oh, Owen Beck was. Yeah, I completely forgot about Owen Beck. Yeah, well, no, I just I'm, I I like your answer because frankly, like I was I was half expecting you to talk about Beck for five minutes and you know it's because that's what everyone is raving about him. So. I definitely could if you want me to. I yeah, go for it because I actually have him on my prospects team and I I'm super excited now. So. And it's it's funny when uh when the draft was was happening, I thought to myself, you know, um, if the Habs pass on Shane Wright, they need to get a player kind of like Owen Beck, who has that two C three C, you know, upside or floor at least. And when they got back in the second round, I was just ecstatic. At that point, I was like, this is a, this draft is a win. And then to get Lane Hudson and then Angstrom, it was just an incredible draft for the Habs. Version of him, like he, he does a lot of the same things, uh, 
um, he does them at a higher pace, but I'd say with less um, less awareness. Even though both are at a pretty high level, I think Wright is definitely a notch above him in terms of awareness. But Beck, is, I think, is a bit more pacey with his game. I just I also think it's rare to see players at Beck's age take as many faceoffs in the OHL and win at the rate oh, he yeah. did. That was incredible for me. Like just to 100%. when I was going through for my my prospect database for my fantasy league, I was you know looking through all the prospects, and I think he had the highest win rate with the the number of faceoffs he took. Like just incredible. Oh, yeah, I highlighted that in my video. He's tremendous on faceoffs. I think he won sort of I think he won sixty percent of his faceoffs in my sample, which was three games. And I intentionally chose games where um, where uh, Mississauga had lost just to see sort of how he contributes to his team even when they're not sort of rolling on all cylinders. And I was really, really impressed, not just with his face-off play, but his defensive game, his awareness, his off-puck movement. I mean, he's a multi-layered player, but all of it goes through his head. I mean, even his face-offs are, are sort of a mental game. Like, he'll wait out the player, put a stick behind him and stuff like that. He's, he's very intelligent in everything he does. And that's that's got to be huge for Habs fans because we have just we have struggled for the last twenty years with having no centers on this team, and now oh, it feels yeah. like it's like between Suzuki, between Beck, between oh my goodness, like you have Dvorak who you could even you know he's a center left wing kind of player, but yeah, it's 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 become a position of, of strength really really quickly, and it's it's exciting to see. Yeah, after the after the Logan Malu draft, I was ready for something a lot different, and this is a this is a very very pleasant pleasant yeah, change. We were due. We were due. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Um, uh, just before we before we switch topics here, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, how did he look? Because I, I think a lot of people want to know, you know how is that first overall pick looking. Given that 
um, he's shown the maturity to, to leave his house at 15 and go live in Finland alone and cook for himself and take care of himself and all that. I think this is a player with enough maturity to be able to understand the work that he needs to put in and how to put it in. So And it's it was it was a surprise to see him listed at two thirty eight at the prospects camp. Like that was oh, yeah. that was eye opening. Yeah, I mean he, he would be a top five player in the NHL in terms of weight, like right off the bat at eighteen. That that's I mean I would, ideally, I'd like to see him around 215 and then work his way up to like 225, 230 at the prime of his career because honestly, 238 is still very heavy and it can affect your gait, it can affect your, your top speed and all that. But, I mean, this is a big guy. And even Arbor Jack guy, who's the exact same size, was talking about, oh, uh, I can't move this kid. I really <laughs> cannot. I can't. Like, he said that in, in, in one of the interviews he did for TSN. He says, I can't, I can't move him. I went for a hit. He just reversed me and then put me on my butt. And it's like, that's Arbor Jack guy talking. The, the guy who will, who will hit anything. I, I'm like, so excited for him. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's exciting to see actually the Habs have some, some grit and grind players to, to go out and protect Caulfield and, and Suzuki because, oh, yeah. you know, before last year, it was, it was concerning to see, like, who are they going to surround these guys with to, you know, to give them some protection. Oh. He's got insanely good hands. He's got tremendous skating for a guy of his size. He can shoot the, the hell out of the puck. Um, he can he can find he, he he's really sort of composed. That's the thing that was missing in his draft year and the year after, which sort of limited him offensively. But after the signing of the Habs, I don't know what they told him. I don't know what they worked on with him. But he just he just sort of developed a sense of poise and understanding of how long to keep the puck before dishing it out. Whereas before he would just sort of throw it up the first option he saw, whether that's a dump or a pass, he would just find a first option and shoot it. But he started delaying finding secondary options, sort of evaluating what's going on before sort of pulling the trigger, and, and that changed a lot. And that, that led to his offensive uptick. Yeah, and I, I actually, so I picked him up in the 16th round of my uh, my 32-team f- league fantasy uh, prospects draft, and I, I, I genuinely couldn't believe he was still on the board. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was a little baffling, but I will not complain. Um, that's uh, that's that's one of those steals that you look back on and you're like, that's that's how you build a good roster. So uh, absolutely. All right, moving along. Um, who are some prospects that you think have a chance to make a, an impact in the NHL later in the season? So later in the season, definitely Luke Hughes. I think this is his last year. He's shown enough that he can play at at a top level. Um, and Jersey could really use his services. Uh, possibly Logan Cooley. He he very well could sort of sign at the end of the year after his uh, after the playoffs um, and, and sort of make his way up in Arizona's lineup. They need they need um, skill and people who can sell tickets, and that's that's Logan Cooley. Um, the other the other person I I put in there, the other player I put in there is Matthew Nice. He might get a shout at the end of the year. Uh, other than that, though, I don't see many other fantasy-relevant prospects coming in and having an, an immediate sort of uh, top-end impact. Maybe Scott Morrow, but um, the defenseman... My friend uh, in Detroit will be one. very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, no, Scott Morrow is really, really fun. I love his style. He was voted best offensive defenseman uh, and best freshman in the NCAA. So I did not actually know that. But yeah, he, he did very, very well, and he's a tremendous, offensively gifted sort of defenseman. But he's probably going to spend another year in the NCAA with UMass. I'd be surprised if he, he 
you know, makes the jump right away. But with Carolina and, and the way that they evaluate prospects, I know that they'll make the right decision. And if they feel that they're, that he's ready, then he's ready. And he's going to have a really good impact. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a few other questions I have here for you. Um, who are some maybe under-the-radar uh, prospects you think that maybe have a chance to move up in this 2023 draft? Um, yeah. Some guys that don't get talked about a lot, because I think everyone knows, you know, Connor Bedard, Mitch Koff, Fantilli. We all know the big names. But who are the guys that are going to move up, you think? So I'm going to steer clear of the top ten, just to give you some really sort of under-the-radar players. Perfect. Um, I'll actually steer clear of the top 15. Dover um, Process with has, has rankings coming out very, very soon, so um, keep a look out for that. But in the latter first round... Like in real life, I'm not talking fantasy because uh, I'm not sure how many teams there are in in, in your specific league. Thirty two, um, actually, and we're we're full size uh, rosters, so it's we're pretty okay, much like gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. So um, the players in the latter first round that I'd keep an eye on, Caden Price, I don't think is going to stay a secret for long. I, I don't think it's going to be long before he's in the top fifteen. This is a player who is tremendously smart, tremendously fluid. Um, he's a he's a left shot defenseman, and he just plays the game. Uh, in a way that really makes me feel like, you know, it's just a matter of time. Like, right now, he's, he's in the late 20s on most rankings, but um, I, I feel like I just have a good feeling about Caden Price. I think he's going to climb up. I think he's got the intelligence to sort of um, run, a, run a power play and play it five on five without any problem. Um, he has some defensive limitations, but he's just so fun. Um, another one that I think is, is not talked about enough is Jordan Turini. Um, his brother just got drafted by the Habs, Miguel, yeah, Miguel. in the seventh round. Scored a goal yesterday, so uh, really did well. But Jordan is sort of the taller version of him with a bit more defensive acumen. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the first round, but he's most likely going to slip into the second. The queue is kind of um, underrated, and that can lead to some players sort of slipping out of, of where they should be. Another Q player, because I, I scout the Q for Dublin Prospects, so those are the guys I watch the most. Yep. Um, Tyler Peddle really impressed me. I really like his shot. I like his off-puck positioning. Um, he's a really, really good uh, forward. He can play center. And the other guy that I wrote down for you here is Luca Pinelli. Uh, Luca Pinelli is a friend, Francesco's younger brother. I was going to say I recognize um, the name, yeah. Exactly. Francesco Pinelli got drafted by the Kings. He was in my top 10 in his draft year, and he got drafted like 45th. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Maybe the lack of skating and pace and all that, but he's the most intelligent. He was the most intelligent player in his draft year, and Pinelli is up there with him in terms of smarts. And like I said, I'm a big smarts guy, so if he's available in your, in your second, especially in your third round, you jump on him. Smarts really translate well, so uh, I'm not too worried about Luca Pinelli. So as a scout, you look at a player, maybe like Braden Point, in their draft year, and you say like, you look at his game and you say if this guy develops his skating he has the you know the top six potential yeah no absolutely so what what i look at the most is uh first i look at intelligence i see i look at first what kind of passes do they make do they do they always try tape to tape or are they smart enough to identify areas in which they can play pucks for their teammates to skate into that's a big sign of, of smarts for me second thing I look at is uh, positioning. So do they understand their role within the system and do they do they place themselves in, in ways that benefit their team? Um, scanning is a big one for me. If you keep your head on a swivel, you're, you're doing the right thing to start, with, to start with, which is looking. If you're looking, you have a better chance of identifying the right thing and making the right choice. But if you're not looking, you know, you're off to a bad start. 
so, so there's stuff like that that I look at, and uh, the, the smart players match all of that. So Braden Point matches that to a T. His skating had a long way to go when he was drafted, but it turned into a strength because Tampa had Barb Underhill that they work with, and Barb Underhill is just a, an absolute wizard for, for making you know players go from poor, poor skating to really good. She worked with Nick Suzuki, actually. I did not know that. Yeah, and, and Mitch Marner and, and also Matthews and um, she has a long rap sheet. She even worked with John Tavares after he signed with the Leafs. She works with the Leafs and, and the Lightning. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to see a lot more women getting into the sport, especially at the high levels, just because. Oh yeah. Like there's only so there's only so much you know coaching talent, um, scouting talent out there. If you're only looking at men, um, you're seeing that in a lot of sports now, where it's just you have to really start branching out if you want to be the best. Yeah, um, no, hundred percent, and it's it's about you know there's an entire pool of talent that just hasn't been dealt into, and it's just a, a gold mine of, of very very smart people like Marie Philippe Poulain, for the longest time should have been a consultant on on an NHL team, and the Habs picked her up you know this year, um, which is tremendous. I mean, just diving into a, a gold mine of, of of women who are excellent, excellent at what they do. I mean. There, there's no doubt in my mind that for the longest time we've been missing out on probably the best of hockey because there's, I mean, even when you talk about, about coaching, like if you look at coaching in Europe, um, there's a lot of very, very good coaches that play for teams in Switzerland or Sweden that never get their shot because they're not, you know, Canadian or American. I think most coaches in the NHL are either Canadian or American. So you're missing a lot of women, you're missing a lot of people from abroad that could do a much better job and grow the game, but we're, uh, hockey sort of stuck in its ways a bit, and it, it's, a, it's a process, but I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, like there's you see a few head office guys now that are from Europe. I mean, I know uh, Columbus has the GM, uh, Kekalainen, but, yeah. but there's just really not a lot, and it's, it's kind of surprising just because if you look at the amount of talent in the NHL from Europe, it's like you'd think there would be more coaches and head office guys, but for whatever reason there isn't. It seems to be a bit of an old boys club there, which... I know it's getting on the nerves of a lot of hockey fans because I think it, it definitely stalls the game. For sure. I mean, when it's the same 40 guys that, that circulate in the NHL in terms of in terms of coaching positions and all that, I mean, where, how, where does growth happen? You know, what opportunities for growth? And, and I mean, you need different perspectives in order to, to nurture growth and progress. Like, if it's the same people, there's, there's no advancement. It's just the same tactics sort of circulating. Yep, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so I have a one other really big question, and this is mainly geared toward my geared towards my fantasy league. Um, just to give you an idea of how it kind of works. So we've got 32 teams uh, for the NHL league. You have 23 man rosters, and then for the prospects league, you have 16 man rosters. We actually score the prospects. So um, the only issue with that is obviously some websites, you know, for leagues don't have the full stats. So if you have a European prospect, you actually get more stats than uh, NCAA or CHL prospect. That being said, your your numbers are going to be probably a lot worse than most CHL or NCAA prospects. So in terms of you know balancing long term value with short term winning the league value, it's people are still kind of figuring it out. But um, based off of our available free agents in the prospects league, uh, do you see any names there that you're surprised that weren't drafted? Look at. I mean, he was um, 
he was tied for first in the KHL for under 22 uh, prospects for points uh, per game. He had 28 points in 39 games, 16 goals, 12 assists in the KHL. So this is a player who already at a young age is succeeding very well. He even had 10 points in 13 games in the playoffs for Omsk. And Omsk isn't really a, a team that's um, loaded with a lot of sort of solid talent. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of middle of the, the pack team. And Gritsuk was one of the top players on that team, or, or maybe even the top player on that team, as a 20, 21-year-old. So to me, like he's one that I, I would absolutely take a look at if you have a slot. Um, he, I think he's got a solid future. He's tremendously pacey and, and aggressive, and he, he gets under the skin of his opponents. And um, I just I just love his game. I, there's a lot to love, and, and and I've watched him a couple times because I scout the Devils for for Dopper prospects as well. And every time I've come away impressed with what he can give. Obviously, it's it's larger ice, but a lot of KHL surfaces are, are migrating towards hybrid and North American. Um, so, I think the transition to the NHL might be uh, a bit limiting for him, but he still has a lot of talent, a lot of skill. He's very smart. I mean, I would, I would take a long look at him. The other one that I think really, really should have been drafted is Ryan Healy. And I know that's weird because he was like a fourth-round pick this year, but... I, I mean, Ryan Healy does a lot of things really well. So one thing that Mitch Brown, um, a scout for elite prospects, pointed out is a lot of players, they either um, they either need to stop their motion when they receive a pass in order to, to, to receive it properly, or they, they, they can receive it in motion, but they can't pass it right away because it's not in their hip pocket. Ryan Healy does both. And that is, that's like a, that's maybe 1% of defenders that can do that properly. So that skill alone, I mean, if the rest of his game catches up, he gets better defensively, he gets more confident in his play. Um, you're looking at a player with sky-high potential um, and a player who just sees the game really well. I think he's one of the most intelligent defenders outside of the first round. If you exclude the Nemetses and, and Pablo Minchikovs and all that, he, he's really in that range in terms of intelligence. So i take a long look to, at him as well. And then two more that I just threw in there. Uh, Jean-Luc Foudy, I think, is really good. Very pacey, very uh, very defensively reliable, and, and you know, still offensively gifted. And Zam Plant, who, was a, who I was a big fan of in this draft here, um, I think should should have a look in, in some fantasy leagues. Yeah, that's uh, that's perfect, actually, because it's, it's such a deep league. You, you really need to have... Um, talent just coming in at all levels because you know there's going to be injuries and it's the interesting thing with you know 23 23 man roster and 32 team league is that everyone is basically going to have you know whatever players are in the nhl you're not going to be holding prospects you're not going to be holding ahl players because there's just no value there so any any prospect that actually makes the nhl is is added value to your team because we don't allow people to have taxi squads or you know just players that sit and marinate yeah, once you hit 23, you you know if, if you go over, you have to drop them or trade them. So any added asset you can trade to get more value back for next year is is pretty awesome. So I think the guys in the league will really appreciate that. No worries at all. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan, especially of Gritsuk. I was really astounded to see him on that list. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's definitely worth a shout. And uh, I actually have one more question here for you because I just thought of it. Since you are a QMJHL scout, uh, you probably know the league very, very well. Uh, since our league, our, our prospects league, has a cash prize, are there any QMJHL players who may not be NHL prospects, but they're going to put up crazy numbers? In the queue? Uh, 
you can expect Joshua Hua to go back and just light it up. I think he's, he might have a nine-game sample, but I don't think he's sticking with the Habs. So he's probably going to be going back, and he's going to be playing with, uh, uh, you know, a top pick in the queue and, and Ethan Gauthier, uh, who I should have mentioned in, in terms of under-the-radar prospects. He's going to put up a lot of points if he's playing with, with Hua. Um, and, yeah, I would expect him to, to sort of go back and, and light it up. Riley Kidney should have another really, really good season. He's probably going to be one of the leaders on uh, Hackney Bathurst uh, for this season. So there are two Habs prospects that I would look at that are, that are probably going to be up there in terms of points. Um, other than that, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I think Jordan Tourigny is going to, uh, sorry, uh, Miguel Tourigny is going to go back and put up another 30-goal season as a defenseman. I don't know if there's more value for goals and for defensemen in, in your in your dynasty league, but that's something I would look at. Yeah, any, I mean, any any defenseman who puts up 30 goals in, in the Prospects League will, will probably end up being the MVP of that league. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's incredibly valuable. And I know he is actually, he was 100% drafted, so... If you have any players that might maybe are like not like not even NHL prospects, but just overagers who are gonna put up really good numbers, just because like those are the kind of guys that players like people in the league maybe want to fill for a 16th or 17th spot. For sure. So I'd look at a guy like Theo Rochette, um, who plays with the Ramparts. Theo Rochette is probably gonna be putting up his, his fair share of of, uh, of points. It's his final year. He put up 99 points last year in 66 games, and. He's going to have an extra year to work on his game. He's one of those um, undersized prospects who's constantly involved in almost every play. He's very connective. His passing is tremendous. I think he's going to he's going to put up his fair share of points uh, next season. Uh, other than that, it's kind of hard to say because a lot of the guys that I, I really liked that were overagers were actually drafted. Um, like Patrick Gay, I would have put in that list. He had he scored 55 goals in 68 games for Charlottetown. Um, was their points leader above Xavier Simono, which was really impressive. But other than that, I mean, that's about it for overagers that weren't drafted. Uh, that's where I that's where I limit myself. Taylor um, other and, and that's about it in terms of the uh, overagers. Other than that, I mean, you've got all the drafted guys: Roy Kidney, Patrick Gay, Zachary Bolzuk. Um, Zach Bolzuk might not, might not even be playing uh, for Quebec next year. He's most likely going to be playing in the NHL. Uh, for St. Louis. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's got a very translatable game. Uh, but if he goes back, I'd put Budzik in that list as well. Wow. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, I know I've heard great things about this draft class, so uh, I, I expect uh, I expect there's to be some, some teams uh, trading their first-round picks to get uh, some pretty high-level players because oh, yeah. they, have, they have some value this year for sure. So. Yeah, this year is, is the, probably the most excited I've been about a draft year in, in the last years i mean this you've got a top three that's almost generational across the board in 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 bedard mishkov and fantilli you've got a top 10 that honestly you can pick apart as much as you want but they can go in any order leo carlson um you know players like uh oh, i'm drawing a blank zach benson uh dalibor Dvorsky. there's so much depth at the top end and throughout the first round i think it, there's a pretty steep drop off after 40 but the top 40 really is, is going to be very, very fun to scout and, and look at. There's a bunch of talent there. Yeah, and uh, if, uh, I mean, 
if the Habs, they've got, they're going to have at least a top 10 pick, probably a top 20 pick, I'm guessing, from Florida, because I, I think Florida takes a step back this year. So it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be another good year for the Habs. They're gonna they're gonna fill up that Prosper Cup board and just just keep going. So I, I definitely expect a top five pick and a top twenty five pick. That's that's where I'd, I'd place them. And anyone they get at let's say fifth overall is gonna be tremendous. It, I mean, especially if they go for Leo Carlson. I think this is a Leo Carlson reminds me of Matt Sunday, like prime Matt Sunday. So, <laughs> that hurts Leeds like fans. insanely good, insanely fun. He's a big guy. He can make he can make plays under pressure. Um, he's got a lot of leadership about him. A lot of sort of drive to to, to be the difference maker. Um, he could challenge for the top three. I don't think the top three is going to budge. Those those guys are set in stone. They're so good. But let's say let's say teams are sort of iffy on Mitchkov. Um, because of the fact that they're gonna have to wait like three years to, to even get a look at him, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Leo Carlson um, take his place in that top three. That's the guy that I'd say is just outside of, of the top three. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've I've seen some people make the comparison, like, do you pass on Mitchkov and then potentially have the Cam Barker of Genny Malkin type situation? You don't <laughs> yeah. think number three is going to be a Cam Barker, though, do you? translatability that's at the top end of this round. I think the entire top 10 makes the NHL and sticks there for a long time. I, I don't know if that's a bold prediction like a month into the, the, the draft year, but... <laughs> it's not good. I, I have a very good feeling, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan. Uh, oh, yeah. Just, uh, just one more quick question before I let you go here. Uh, so my friend uh, who uh, has the Edmonton Oilers in my league, he basically has every single Montreal Canadian goalie prospect other than Jakob Dobez. Um, if where do you see the Montreal Canadiens goaltending situation being in two to three years? If you had to take a guess, like if there's one prospect who maybe comes out on top, who would it be? And do you think they look outside the organization to to fill that role? I'd be surprised to look outside. First, you said he had everyone except Jakub Dolish. Yeah, like he's literally got like every prospect they have in the farm system, and he's got Montembeau and Allen and Price. So he's. <laughs> oh, yeah, I. Jakub Dovesh is, is very, very solid. Um, I'd place him in the top two or top three. He's sort of tied with um, with Frederick Decal behind uh, Caden Primo. So Caden Primo, I think, still has that, that, that starting goalie sort of potential and has, has displayed a lot of very good signs that he's going to be something good. Um, but right behind him, two and three, is Decal and Dovesh. Those two... They still have a long way to go, but they have the, the upside to, to outplay Caden Primo down the line. Um, especially Decal has been very, very impressive what I've seen from him. He's playing in the SHL this year. He's doing pretty well so far. Um, he played really, really well in the Alsvenskan last year. Um, I was really, really impressed with Decal. And Dovich put up, what, like a 930 save percentage in the NCAA in his freshman year. Uh, yeah, I, he was I, he was incredible in the NCAA. He was phenomenal. I mean, he carried Ohio State on most games, so I, I would definitely take a long look at Jakob Dovesh and make sure that he's, he's sort of... If you like the Habs and you like goalies, just, just put him in there. You, you can't lose anything. Yeah, unfortunately, my friend in Edmonton would have to make a trade to get him. Uh, that's the one uh, it's The one Edmonton... Uh, or Sorry, it's the one Montreal goalie <laughs> prospect he didn't manage to get. So. <laughs> gotcha. At least 
missing out definitely. He should, he should probably make that trade. Yeah, unfortunately, he took Price, and then about two days later, the, the news came out about the knee injury. So that really, uh, oh, he was scrambling yeah. after that. But it's uh, he has a good team, so you know what? He uh, he managed to he managed to salvage it. So. Yeah, you take some, you lose some. Exactly. You know what? There's a uh, there's there's a few guys who are taken in the league that uh, might not even play in the NHL after the season. So you know what? Uh, it's it's gonna be it, you know. There's there's a lot of interesting things going on in the the hockey world right now, and um, mm-hmm. it, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. So, 100%. I I don't want to get too into that because that's a little bit of a depressing hockey topic right now. But um, yeah, I mean, if if you had to, if if you were in a fantasy league, I'm just gonna ask you this quickly because I, I feel like it's a it's a pretty uh, interesting question. But w- would you even entertain the idea of taking Formenton or Batherson? Formenton or, Dr- or Batherson. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sens put up an astoundingly good year. I mean, the additions that they've brought in, the, the, the farm team that they're building up, the fact that Jake Sanderson is, is going to be um, starting his career with, with Ottawa probably this year and, and sort of making his way up. I think by the end of the year, Jake Sanderson is going to be a, a bona fide top four defenseman and the type of guy that's going to give them wins. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry at all about picking up either Batherson or Formentin. I mean, they're probably going to be playing with uh, the Shane Pintos, Alex DeBrincat's, uh Cole Giroux, who's also in the in the lineup. I mean, by proxy, they're going to be getting a lot of points. So definitely worth it. It depends on, on whether you have a, a multi-cat league, like a proper multi-cat league, or, or points only. I think points only might be worth it. Multi-cat kind of... Oh, yeah, we are. That. Yeah, we have hits, block shots, um, face-offs. <laughs> Pretty much everything. So they might they might still be worth a shout, but that does definitely change things. I don't think either one of them is are necessarily the most physical or most um, defensively involved players. So um, I know Batherson sometimes kills penalties, um, but yeah, they're 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 kind of middle of the pack players. I, I'd pick up if you have a slot and and don't know what to do with it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't hedge my entire bets on those two players. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just. Uh, I want to thank you first off for coming on the show. You've uh, you've you've given me a lot of great info here, and I know the guys in the league will be really appreciative of your of your little prospects uh, list you made because I uh, I definitely was surprised when I saw Arseny Gritsayak on there too. He's uh, he was a pretty big name from the KHL, so yeah, for sure. And anytime you have me on, just give me a shout. I I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Hattie. Yeah. You have a good one. Yeah, you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, that was Hattie Kalakechi of Dauber Sports, and this was the inaugural episode of the Windmill Dynasty Hockey Show. Uh, Thank you for listening.